You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. Amen. I want to take you today to the book of Exodus, and we are going to... uh, do a sermon series on Sunday morning. Now, I know I do series a lot on Wednesday nights, and I do series uh, sometimes on other occasions, not so much on Sunday morning, but I felt like the Lord just laid this on my heart a few weeks ago to take this time. And so we're going to take the next four weeks, and we're going to look at a sermon series together. And this is going to be out of the book of Exodus. And it's going to be out of the story of Exodus. And there were Four things specifically that I felt like the Lord wanted me to to preach and teach on over these next four weeks. And so we're going to title this series, Deliverance from Bondage to Blessing. Deliverance from Bondage to Blessing. Because the reality is is that sometimes God does uh, a work in our life, but we uh, don't always see that work continued or completed. Sometimes the work is a process and God's going to do the work, but we haven't got to the end of the process. And if we're not careful, we can get disheartened and we can lose hope. And that's not what God wants us to do. That's not what God has for you. So I'm here to declare today in the next four Sundays that God has deliverance for you. God has deliverance for you. And we're not just going to be, we're not just going to be uh, wasting time. Uh, we're going to be practical. We're going to be looking at the word. But I believe that God wants to do something in your life, in your home. I love coming to church, and I thank God for everyone that serves. We have, uh, we're so blessed to have such a wonderful church here. And, and uh, I love worshiping the Lord. I, I love the the spiritual experience. I, I, I love uh, the preaching. I love the singing. I love all of that stuff. And it's right. We do what the Bible declares for us to do. But too, too many times we can come to church and we can compartmentalize our life. And then when we get in the car and we go back home, we go back to the same uh, places and those same jobs, those same homes. And when you walk in, there's a, there's a heaviness, there's a burden, there's whatever, a weariness that settles in. And that is not what God's will is for your life. I believe it with all of my heart. It's God's will that we be delivered, that we be fully delivered. And so today we're going to look at the first principle that the Lord laid on my heart, and I'm going to ask you to stand together in honor of the word as I take your attention to the book of Exodus, chapter number 7. Exodus chapter number 7. And this will culminate, this series will culminate, it will build. And uh, you'll just have to come each week to see what the next part is that the Lord laid on my heart, because I'm not going to give that to you. I'm going to give it one at a time, one piece at a time. But it will build in our heart. In Exodus chapter number 7, there's an interesting thing here. I'm reading in the King James Version here. It says, And the Lord said unto Moses, See, I have made thee a god to Pharaoh, and Aaron thy brother shall be thy prophet. And thou shalt speak all I command thee, and Aaron thy brother shall speak unto Pharaoh. 
that he send the children of Israel out of his land. That he send the children of Israel out of his land. If we could read this in the New Living Translation as well, just while we're standing, I want us to see this just in verse 2. It says, Tell Aaron everything I command you, and Aaron must command Pharaoh to let the people of Israel leave his country. I want you to look at that phrase there. He says, Aaron must command Pharaoh. Aaron must command Pharaoh. The first thing we're going to look at this week is that deliverance comes by authority. Deliverance comes by authority. Let's lay our Bibles down and ask the Lord to anoint his word to our hearing in these next few moments we have together. Would you pray in Jesus' name? I thank you, Lord, today for your spirit. I thank you not only for your purpose and will, but for the anticipation, the expectancy that's in this room. God, you see every need and you know every circumstance. And I ask right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, God, that your will, God, your word would have liberty in our life, God. I pray that there'd be no barrier, no hindrance, God, no walls, no distractions. I pray that you'd eliminate the noise in our life that we can hear your word today, God, for every man, for every woman, for every family that is represented here today. We ask this in your mighty name. And we give you glory and we give you honor and praise today and thanksgiving, God. We bless your name in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. And somebody say praise the Lord. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated today. And Aaron must command Pharaoh. If you're not familiar with the story of the Exodus, it is one of incredible wonder. It is a famous story among Sunday school classes because it is one which can grab and arrest the attention of children quite easily. Going through the Red Sea, beginning with the burning bush, Moses in the wilderness, telling the story even before that of Moses' birth and his entrance into this life, how God spared him and brought him into the palace of the very one who sought his life, how God sustained him, and then how he got ahead of God's promise and he, he had to flee for his life. He's living in a desert. Forty years he lived in Egypt. Forty years he lives in the wilderness now forgotten about, separated, estranged from his family. He's there, and the Bible said there's a bush that burned, but it was not consumed. And Moses is drawn away, and while he's there talking to the Lord, 
God is telling him what he's going to do. Moses gives all the excuses, all the reasons why uh, he should not be the one. And God gets angry at him a little bit, mad at him and says, no, you're going. And so Moses goes and he comes to Egypt and now he's going to stand before Pharaoh and he's going to come to Pharaoh and he's going to tell them, let my people go. I'm jumping through so much, but I've got to get to the point that God wants me to speak to you about today. If you haven't seen it, I know it may not be the uh, accurate, uh, absolute biblical interpretation, but go back and watch the Prince of Egypt. Go back and watch, what is it, the, 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 uh, the Ten Commandments or... And uh, you can go see those, and that'll sort of put it in perspective. And, and even when you're watching that, it's almost hard to believe that this really happened. But it did happen. It really happens. It takes place. And, 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 and Moses gets there, and he's standing with his brother. And he, he comes before Pharaoh. Aaron is the prophet, or the mouthpiece, if you will. But Moses is the one who has the experience and the connection with God. God is speaking to Moses, and then Moses defers to Aaron, and Aaron now stands as the mouthpiece of God. And they go before Pharaoh, and they say, let, let my people go, and Pharaoh laughs at them. Who are you? Where did you come from? You've been in the wilderness for 40 years, and now he's standing before them. And God tells Moses something interesting. He says, I am going to make you, uh, the KJV says, I'm going to make thee a god to Pharaoh. But he's saying, I'm going to make you like a god to Pharaoh. This, this Egyptian culture at that time that saw God in everything. They, they had so many different gods. They worshiped many different gods. Among them, the cattle and the frogs and the, the Nile, the, the waters. They, the Pharaoh himself, they had so many gods. Pharaoh himself was seen as a god to the people and they had all kinds of spirits and witchcraft and things that were going on so much so that when Moses and Aaron are finally there and the rod is cast down as God commanded them and turned to a serpent the magicians of Pharaoh's court did the same thing and, and uh, when Moses goes on and begins the plagues they go on also the irony is that Moses brought the lice in the field and the Egyptian magicians said, uh, well, our gods can do that too. And they brought more lice in the country to make it, it, their problem exaggerated, if you will. And so as Moses is standing there, let my people go. Pharaoh's not going to hear them. And God tells Moses, do what I command you. I can imagine as Moses goes back to the Lord on assignment, says, Lord, he's not going to hear me. He's not going to listen to me. I'm a nobody and I'm walking into the Pharaoh's courts. He's not going to listen to me. If you have ever faced something in your life that you thought, there's no way that I can get over this. There's no way I can get out of this. There's no way that I can live my life without this hanging on me. I'm here to tell you you're in good company because Moses thought the same thing. 
It is a lie from hell. It is a lie of the enemy that tells you that you cannot be free, that tells you that you cannot be delivered, that says these circumstances are too insurmountable for you to even think that this could happen to you. And if we're not careful, what we begin to do, what we begin to think is that I believe, and it's easier for us to have faith for someone else's miracle than it is for us to have faith for our own miracle. It's easy for us to come to the house of God and pray for someone else's need and an insurmountable problem and for someone else's victory and for someone else's deliverance, but all the while we can't have faith for our own deliverance. We can live in a circumstance, in a situation so long that it even becomes part of our identity. And we come to church and we go through worship and we go through prayer and we go through preaching, but it never even touches our heart because we have drawn up this little wall of unbelief that says it won't happen for me. It's just my burden. I'm going to have to bear it. But God said to Moses, he said, no, you are going to stand before for Pharaoh. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't seem like it's going to happen. But he said you are going to stand before Pharaoh. I'm preaching to somebody today that God's will for you is deliverance. God's will for you is not bondage. It is not restraint. And God today is challenging us to stand up before those, those Pharaohs in our life if we will. Here's what he said, Moses, I want you to do all that I command you. Everything I command you, you must do it. And he said, and to Aaron, Aaron must command Pharaoh. Can I tell you, Aaron was not going to stand there and speak as Aaron. But Aaron, when he stood before Pharaoh and he opened his mouth, Aaron would begin to speak as the voice and the oracle of God. The authority was not in Aaron's personality. It was not in Aaron's voice. The authority was not in Aaron's talent, and it was not in Aaron's ability. But the authority came, amen, from Almighty God. It was the Word of God. It was the Word of the Lord. And I'm here to preach to you today that the Word of the Lord is the ultimate authority. His Word is exalted, even above his great name the Bible says his word is forever settled in heaven the grass withereth and the flower fadeth but his word will stand when everything else crumbles his word is still standing his word does not diminish it does not deteriorate it does not wind down the word of God's batteries never run out hallelujah but what God says is, and it is without failure, and it is without change. And so God tells Moses to tell Aaron, you must command Pharaoh. Let's get the context right. It wasn't Aaron's wishful thinking. It wasn't Moses' desire. But it was Aaron's obedience. And it was Moses' obedience to the word of God. And when they spoke, they spoke as the word of God. I'm here to tell you, you can wish it all day long. 
You can say all day long to your situation, get behind me, stop. You're not going to have a hold on me. But until it's the word of God speaking it in your life, you will always hold on to it. You will always deal with it. That's why the power of positive thinking only goes so far. It doesn't have any grit behind it. It doesn't have any weight behind it. Positive thinking can help you. It can help you in a moment. It can help you through a season. But ultimately, there's going to be a circumstance that is bigger than your ability to be positive. There's going to be a situation that is greater, amen, than your ability, amen, to just think your way through it. But that's where when the Word of God comes in your heart, you may not feel positive. You may not have any strength. But when you stand and command Pharaoh, it's not because of what I'm saying. It's because of what he's saying. Oh, somebody clap your hands unto the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hear me today. The word of the Lord is the final authority. It's not just the ultimate authority. It's the final authority. The moment Aaron spoke and commanded Pharaoh, deliverance would have to come. The moment Aaron stood and said, let my people go. God says, let my people go. The moment Aaron spoke that word, from the very first day before one plague had fallen upon Egypt, it was as good as done. It was already finished. The moment God determined to do something, he was going to bring it to pass. It didn't matter if Aaron ran out and quit on God. God was going to raise somebody else up. It didn't matter what, Mo what Pharaoh decided to do. God's word was going to be accomplished. God will not go back on his word. And nothing in this world can stop his word. That's why I'm here to tell you today the, power, the most powerful thing that you and I can do is get the word of God in our heart and in our life. Amen. You say, well, tell me, tell me, Pastor, what are you talking about? I'm talking about things like this. Isaiah 61 and 1. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. Isaiah writes this over 500 years before Messiah comes. He's writing it as a messianic prophecy. He is feeling the anointing and he is feeling the promise of what Messiah would do when he would come. And Isaiah writes and says, He hath anointed me to preach, anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meat. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Hallelujah. I'm here to tell you, you may be broken in your spirit. Life may have broken you so bad and there's no way, amen, that you could ever be healed. There's no psychologist. There's no counseling session. There's no experience that could ever heal the depths of the depravity and the scars that have been on your life. But when the word of God declares it, I'm here to tell you, God can bring you through a fiery furnace, and when you get out, you can't even smell the smoke. You can't even smell the remnants of what you've been through. 
Hallelujah. He said, not only that, he said, I came to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion to give them beauty for ashes. Your life may not have much left. It may have all disappeared. It may be gone. But God said, I can take the ashes that remain of your circumstance and I can make something beautiful out of the ashes. All you've got left is ashes. And God says, that's all I need. What's already been, uh, what has already been consumed. What can't even light fire with anymore. What you can't even burn anymore because there's nothing left left. God says, I can make life out of it. I can make beautiful. He said, not only beauty for ashes, he said, but I can give you the oil of joy for mourning. I can take the mourning out and I can put joy back into your spirit. I can take the mourning out and I can put joy back into your heart. Amen. You go day and night with morning, but God said, I'm going to put a new joy in your step. You're not going to be able to explain it. You're not maybe able, going to be able to explain naturally how it comes, but God said, this is what I can do for you, and I will give you a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that heaviness that has followed you through every season. God said, I'm going to put a lightness of a garment of praise on your spirit. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. That they might be called trees of righteousness, the planning of the Lord, that he might be glorified. I've come to tell my Pharaoh, amen. God has a word for me and God has a word for you. His joy is greater than my sorrow. Hallelujah. His praise is greater than my heaviness. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody clap your hands unto the Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You see, you've got to understand that deliverance comes by authority. It doesn't come by wishful thinking. It doesn't just come, amen, by simple desire, but it comes by authority. That's why we elevate, amen, the Word of God to preeminence here at CTK. We could sing all day long and it won't change anything. We could pray all night long and it may not change anything, but you get the Word of God in your praise and in your prayer and all all of a sudden, Pharaoh can't fight that. Pharaoh can't stop that. Pharaoh can't hold that back. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The Word of God is the ultimate authority. You say, preacher, you don't know the fear that I've dealt with and the fear that I wrestle with. Maybe I don't know the fear you've wrestled with, but I know the fear I've wrestled with. I know the fear that I've had, but I have a word from God. 
and it's in Philippians, amen, or 1 John, rather, chapter 4 and 18 that says there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out all fear. I, I don't have the authority to leverage my fear away, but when the Word of God gets in my heart, I can be begin to declare things like God's love is perfect, and because He loves me, I won't be afraid. Because He knows what's best for me, I'm not going to succumb to fear, and perfect love can cast out all fear. Peace. Paul talked about peace, the peace of God, which passeth all understanding. Sometimes you get to an intersection of life that does not make sense. God, I don't understand this. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know why this is happening, but Lord, your word declares peace in my life. Amen. On Saturday night of our revival, Pastor Akil talked about peace. Amen. And I felt something happen in the Holy Ghost. Uh, he broke it down. He even brought the, the pulpit down and he said, I, I just want to teach to you tonight. I just want to talk about peace. And I'm here to tell you, there have been many miracles that have been testified of what happened because can I tell you, you can just simply open up the Word of God and you don't have to be on a high note on Sunday morning. You just open up the Word of God and the Word of God is the authority in your life. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. It's the Word of God that declares it. The process sometimes may take longer than we think. Catch this. The process may take longer than we think. Moses thought, I'm going to go in there. All right, Aaron, we're going to do this. And they psych themselves up. Let's go do this. We're doing this in the authority of the Lord. Pharaoh, God said, let my people go. Man, they felt something. Wow, do you feel that? <laughs> I felt it. This is it. And Pharaoh looks at them and says, he laughs and says, no. Wait a minute, God. You gave me a word. Wait a minute, Lord. What's going on? And if we're not careful all of a sudden because the process may take a little bit longer, we can begin to doubt the Word of God. I'm here to tell you, you better never leave the Word of God. You better never doubt the Word of God. You stay with the Word of God because from that moment on, from that moment, God was working out His plan. Later on in the story, we're going to see that God spoke to Pharaoh and tell, He said, go tell Pharaoh that the reason why I haven't wiped him out yet is because of my grace and because I'm trying to prove to him that I'm God, but tell Pharaoh that I could have killed him at the very first time. I could have I wiped him out the very first time, but I wanted to show him that I'm a God of all the universe and that I love him and that I love the world. But the word of God was still going to come to pass at the time. It was just a process of time until it worked down. Amen. Until it was gone. Amen. And so the process sometimes may take longer than you think. But if God says it, amen, it is a done deal in your life. Amen. Come on. Just because God gave you victory last month and you stumbled a little bit and you dealt with a little bit more fear and a little bit more doubt and a little bit more depression doesn't mean that you walk away from the word of God. No, you go back to Pharaoh again and say, no, God said, let my people go. God said, let there be peace in this house. God said, let there be joy in this house. 
You take the word of God back to your home. You take the word of God with you. You pray over your home. You pray over your family. You pray over your life. And you leverage the word of God in your life. This is what spiritual authority is all about. It's leveraging God's sovereignty and word to the premium place in your life and your soul. You stand up on your own like they did in Acts. The seven sons of Sneva. The Bible says they went and they, what did they say? They said, uh, in the name of Jesus Christ, come out. And the Bible says the man that had those devils was tormented. And that when they tried to call the devils, cast the devils out of him, that that man attacked them, stripped them of their clothes, all seven of them. We're talking about a superpower, super demonic power superhuman strength that one man could wrestle seven men strip them of their clothes put them in an embarrassing compromising situation and they run out of the house this is in the word they run out of the house naked and they come and say well what what was going on here the the devil spoke out and said Jesus we know and Paul we know but who are you what authority do you think you have you're just another person. Yeah, sure, you can sing the hymn. Yeah, yeah, sure, you, you know all that stuff, but you don't have any authority. But when you come in the name of the Lord, when you not just speaking, we make the mistake sometimes that I can just speak the name of Jesus out as a get-out-of-jail-free card. If your life is not in submission to the authority of God, You've got to leverage the authority of God in your life. You say, well, how do I leverage the authority of God in your life? Well, let's go back and look. God said, Moses, do all that I command you. So Moses had to be in obedience for this thing to work. And then he said, Moses, you tell Aaron what to say. So Moses tell Aaron. Now when Aaron speaks, Aaron is in submission to the word of God through the man of God, and Moses is in submission to God by obedience to the Lord. And when Aaron stands, it's not Moses, it's not Aaron, but they are standing as the Lord. They are standing as the God Almighty. When you leverage the voice of God in your life, I'm not coming as Andrew Romine hoping right now, but I'm coming in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm standing on the authority of the Word of God, and I've leveraged His authority in my life. So you've got to have, you've got to have authority. Let me go to the second thing, and I'll hasten on. Deliverance will not happen without submission to God's authority. Deliverance will not happen without submission to God's authority. Before Aaron spoke as the voice of God, he was in submission to God. We must be in complete surrender to God for his authority to work in our life. You say, well, does that mean that before I'm in complete surrender to God, God won't answer my prayers? No, that's not what I'm saying because God will. But in those cases, it's by his mercy and it's by his grace. It's by his desire to reveal himself to you that God will work miracles in your life. But when you want to stand in command of Pharaoh, you have to be in spiritual authority. When you want to wrestle with the things, the dark things of your life, those things that come up against, you have to be in, spirit, in submission to spiritual authority in your life. Amen. 
Now, this is not self-serving at all, but note that Aaron's submission to God looked like submission to his brother. Now, this isn't popular because we want to be able to, we want the more the, the uh, positive thinking thing. Well, I can come and I can just command sickness to be gone. Well, you can't command anything to be gone. Jesus said, you can't even take one thought and grow another inch of stature. You don't even know how many hairs are on your head. What right do you have to stand over a body and to command sickness? You can't do that. But if you leverage the authority of God in your life, the word of God in your life, then I come not as wishful thinking, but I can come and I, I'll pray. I don't pray and come over as Andrew Romine and say, I, I command this sickness to go out. What, what power does Andrew Romine have? But no, I come in the promise of the word of God. God, your word said by your stripes we are healed. God, your word declares this. And when you begin to pray and you begin to preach the word of God, I'm going to tell you sickness has no defense against the authority of the word of God. Lord, right now this life is in complete surrender. This life is in complete submission. This isn't in my notes, but let me just go to, real quick, you don't have to turn there, but you can reference this. James chapter 5. You remember where he said, let the elders of, of the church come and lay hands upon them that are sick, anointing them with oil? Why were they anointing them with oil? Well, a lot of people think, well, that, that they were anointing with oil. Why do we anoint with oil when we pray for the sick? This is, a, this is a practice that comes from the Old Testament. When we anoint with oil and we pray for the sick, there's nothing magical in the oil. There's nothing about the oil. This oil has not been prayed over. This oil, ha, ha, uh, uh, in the sense for, for some kind of, if I just have oil, this is going to bring the sickness. What the oil typified always in Scripture, always from the very beginning of the Old Testament all the way through, even when Christ comes what the oil typified was it typified the anointing and what would happen when they were anointing this 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 oil to accommodate the oil there was all kinds of crushing and bruising and brokenness it was it represented literal submission absolutely brokenness no resistance and so when somebody was brought they would examine their life and make sure that their life was was being lived right before God and when their life was right then they would anoint them with oil and that anointing signified, amen, the covering of God upon their life because they were in complete surrender to the Lord. Paul said, he said for this reason, he said because of sin, because of rebellion. This is what he says when he's talking about the communion. He said for this reason, there are many that are sickly among you. He said that there are people in the church that are sick and their problem isn't physical, but their problem is spiritual. And so when James writes his epistle, he said, is there any sick? I believe God can heal the sick. I believe God can raise the dead. He said, but let's call for the elders of the church and let's bring the sick up and let's anoint them with oil. What is he saying? He's saying, let their life show the record that they are living in submission to God. And if they are in submission to the Lord, then it's the word of God that leverages the healing in their life. And there is no cancer, there is no sickness that can rob them of the joy and the peace and the purpose, amen, and the pleasure that God has for them in this life. Can I tell you, we are not just serving God so we can feel better, amen, but when we get our life in submission to the Word of God, there is a dimension that opens up. Oh, hear me today. 
Hallelujah. There is a dimension that opens up. Hallelujah. When I'm living my life in submission to God, amen, when sickness comes into my family or into my home, I, can, I don't have to pray about it. I don't have to think about it because I know there's no way that that sickness could have touched me except God permitted it. And if he permits it, then he's purposed it. And if he's purposed it, amen, then he's already planned my deliverance from it. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. So perfect fear, or fear rather, all fear is eradicated by perfect love. My finances, you have financial troubles? You have financial problems? It's very practical. We preached last week on giving. We preached on, on the practicality of giving, but the dynamic of the spiritual. You leverage the word of God in your life. Anybody else pray over the checkbook? God, you know, you know where we're at and you know what we need. And so, Lord, I'm putting you first in all things. And you said that the 90% would go farther if I put you first than if I had kept it all for myself. And so I know that's going to happen. And so I'm going to trust in you. And Lord, you know the desires of my heart. I'm not going to be greedy, but you know the desires of my heart and you're going to supply and you're going to provide. And I refuse. I refuse to let fear come in and say, oh, you better not give that much to the Lord. You better not do that much. You better hold. No, I refuse because there's a word of God that says, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory. Come on, folks. I'm preaching about deliverance. I'm preaching about deliverance comes by authority. It's time that the people of God, amen, start living like the people of God and stop living, amen, like slaves in Egypt. God said, let my people go. God said, it's time, amen, for you to stand in deliverance to the Lord. So what is the sickness? What is the ailment? What is the issue? Pastor, I can't break free if they'll come to the music. Pastor, I can't seem to break the cycle. I can't seem to break the addiction. I can't seem to break out of the doubt. Can I tell you, it's the word of God that's going to help you. Today, one of the most, most oppressive things in our culture and our society, we don't talk about it a lot, but one of the most oppressive things in our society is Pornography is so rampant in our world. A study done a few years ago, it's, and this stuff, most pornography now is all electronic, so it is able to be tracked. We have about 300 and I think right at about 340, maybe a little less, 340 million people living in North America. And every given day in North America, 60 Two million unique visitors hit the main pornographic sites. That's not even getting to the stuff on the deep, dark web. 62 million every day. And the highest peak of that is on Sunday night. Every week, Sunday night is the highest peak of that. Sunday night's usually the night where least things are, are, are going on, least things are scheduled, people are at home. It's the highest night of viewership on television, movies, and everything else. And so where we are 
withdrawn into our own world behind the scenes. No, nobody else, nothing else is really there to keep us accountable. It's the most unaccountable accountable time slot, let's say, in our week. It's rampant. It's got a stronghold. You meet women, you meet men. It's no age demographic. It's children now being exposed at such a young age. The impact that that's having on America is it's incredible. Problems with, with marriages, trying to hold marriages and families together. It's just, it's a given now. People just give up, just expect it. There's an article that just came out, I think it was last week, where they were talking about <clears throat> the critical importance of a nuclear family and how nuclear families are more important than we realize. Our world has gotten so open-minded now to everything that they're now open-minded to the stats that a simple mother and a father and children in one home as a nuclear family is the best model for society. I can't remember the name of the new relationship where it's a, you, you, you know, marriage is sort of, I, I don't want to get into all this, marriage is sort of broken down, but now the irony is HD, HGTV, one of the just simple decorating, what, I mean, it's decorating stuff is one of the biggest promoters of different relationships. I was reading, you can get online, Google that, other articles, journalists, these are not Christian people that are reporting this. Relationships, not, not just a man and a man or a woman and a woman, but now a three men or a man and two women or whatever, these, these open relationships of, I can't, can't remember the name that you call that, they're pushing that as this new norm. Things are so messed up. Suicides on a, on a rise among teen girls like never before, one of the highest, because girls are, can't measure up to the images in their life. We're so, we're so bound by things. We can come to church and we can praise God and we can, we can sing and we can do all this stuff and we can amen the preacher. But if we get back in our cars and we go back home and we open up the computer or we turn on the screen and, and we're not submitting ourselves to the word of God, Pharaoh just has a stronghold. There's a word that God has for us. And he said, I came to preach. I came to preach to them that the prison doors are going to be opened. That the captives are going to be set free. But we have to leverage the word of God inside of our heart and inside of our life. You've got to be obedient. You cannot have deliverance without spiritual authority. It's God's authority that's going to break the yoke. It's the anointing. He said, isn't that what Isaiah said? The anointing will break yes. the yoke. Yes. What did I tell you that the anointing just signified? The anointing signified submission. You want to break the yoke of bondage in your life. You do it by authority. You do it by submission. Here we are near a military base, and many of you have served in the service, and you know that there's protocol and there's procedure dealing with authority. And you know you better do what is just told you. Just do what is told you. Moses, I'm going to tell you some things that aren't going to make sense. I want you to do all I command you. Moses, I want you to take Aaron's rod and I want you to go dip it in the Nile. Well, God, I don't like that. I don't, I don't want to do that. God, that sounds weird. That sounds crazy. 
No, Moses, you just do what I command you. Moses already had a relationship with God. He had that at the burning bush. God had already proved himself. And for many of us, God has already proved himself. He's already shown up. He's already done things. We already know he's God. And so now it's our, it's our duty just to do what he commands us. Later on, he's going to tell them, these are your instructions. Later on in Exodus chapter 12, twice in verse 11 and verse 24, he's going to tell them, these are your instructions. He's telling the children of Israel, these are your instructions for how you get out of bondage. We will never get to the point of deliverance if we are constantly resisting God's ideas and trying to impose our ideas. We have to be willing to say, okay, God, what are your instructions? God said, first of all, this point, this is, he said, this Passover, he said, it's going to be the first, this Passover is now going to be the start of a new calendar year for you. From this point on, everything news, everything revolves around this. He goes and says, here's some things that you've got to do. Here's some, here's how you've got to walk. Here's how you've got to obey. Here's how you've got to eat. Here's how you've got to go. They did it willingly. Can I tell you, God has made deliverance available for us, but we have to be willing to submit and we have to be willing to say, yes, Lord, what is your word? What are you saying to us, God? What do you want me to do? And if God speaks it, it may not always make sense, but I promise you when it's done, you're going to look back and say it made sense. It may not always make sense right at the beginning, but Moses, you better do what God says. And he tells Aaron, Aaron, you command Pharaoh. When you leverage the word of God, this isn't up for vote. This isn't up for discussion. You're not going in and negotiating with Pharaoh. We've got to stop negotiating with our addictions. We've got to stop negotiating with our sins. Hear me. We must stop negotiating with our sins. That's what Jesus meant when he said, if your eye offends you, pluck it out. If your right hand offends you, cut it off. He wasn't literally, hopefully, saying that we were going to do that, but he said there should be no negotiation. I'm going to live my life in submission to the Lord, and you can either get in line or I'm going to go by myself. By the authority of God and your obedience, you go from bondage to blessing. Stand together with me. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 37, on the day of Pentecost, after Peter preached that incredible message, they gathered round and they said, men and brethren, what must we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent. Repent. You've got to repent. You've got to get down. You've got to say, God, I'm sorry. God, forgive me. God, take my life. And Lord, I'm laying it down. I'm making a change today. God, I don't want to do the same things anymore. God, this is more than just being sorry. But God, my ideas haven't worked. And I'm now totally broken and surrendered to you. So repent. Then you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. You bury that old man. You're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Old things are passed away and all things become new. And then he said, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. There's a, there's a template there. There's a model. There's a model to be patterned after. And that is repentance and remission and receiving. I need you in my life. 
Your deliverance comes by spiritual authority. And if you will get under the covenant, as Pastor Akil talked about, Brother Clarence, you got under the covenant in the name of Jesus Christ under the waters of baptism. When you get under the covenant, amen, there is a blessing that comes by covenant. Oh, I'm going to talk about some awesome things. We're going to shout a little bit more later on in this series. But right now, it's critical that we understand that deliverance only comes by authority. 